0: Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Quarantine the Past. My name's David Coleman, and I'm joined by Juan Rodriguez to talk about Blue Rev, the majestic new album from Canadian band Always. Let's start with a bit of backstory to put the record in context. Juan, I recall you reviewed their debut for No Record eight long years ago. What were your impressions of Always at the time?
1: Um, I think the first thing that I thought about it was how tuneful it was from beginning to end. I think one thing that you can say about Always from the beginning and leading up to the new record is that they are a very likable band in many ways. It's really hard to to dislike them if you like a certain genre of music, Uh, especially on the first record, they were more leaning into more like classic indie pop of the era in a lot of ways. But at the same time, they always had that late 80s, early 90s influence in, in many ways i i think anyone who likes bands like the the pastels for instance would 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 like always it's it's a really easy entry way. but but it's it i i felt like even if every song to an extent was really good it it still was a little patchy at parts especially because probably it was the the band trying to find themselves and and again when you're kind of in the realm of indie pop it's kind of hard to do things that are new uh in many ways and I think this one uh I felt like the stronger tracks were the ones that are were least characteristic of of um even that genre like I felt like they they were really good at writing like uh, indie pop ballads. Uh, I I mean, and I I feel like even in the realm of indie, like uh, doing ballads is not necessarily a thing that's very accepted It you see it once and again. But there were like songs like Party Police. That song is like a really, it's a really cute song, but it's also a, a ballad. Like I, like if, if you listen to like e- even songs from like the eighties, it gave, it gave me like an eighties vibe. Like I, you know, think like Aerosmith, like Janie's got a gun or something, you know, <laughs> like it had, it had that power to it, but at the same time, it's uh, you know, it's, it's very, a very widescreen kind of sound too. Yeah. But at the same time, the production was very, very shambolic, right. And ramshackle. Yeah. So, so it, the, it, it has the qualities of wanting to have a larger audience but at the same time it's like we're still rooted in the in this more lo-fi direction more DIY Uh, for sure and
0: and still and probably by by choice and by design as well I imagine
1: yeah for sure and they and they they were still like a like a fuzzier band even back then like that's why you would think like you know like the pop that was that deer hunter was doing at the time it wasn't that dissimilar to to doing pop in a kind of dream pop direction but with a little bit of fuzz which way we, they were already kind of doing yeah i guess it's like a sweet and sour thing right just yeah. try to balance both uh,
0: and then anti-socialites kind of move things on really uh, peter quinton wrote the uh, little blurb for the albums of the uh piece because we didn't get around to reviewing it in true (laughs) no record fashion um and he described it as a superior follow-up to a successful debut and i think that's a a a fair point really it just seemed like a more mature effort like they were building on that early promise did you did you agree
1: i i agree and i think there's a lot of the touchstones or the new album can be found on anti-socialized like just even looking at the titles and i'm remembering again there were a lot of songs that kind of were leaning into a power pop direction already i think there was one called hey that i really liked a lot but it also had songs like dream tonight and In undertow which those ones were kind of starting to flirt with shoegaze yeah not not quite yet so but i think i think a lot of the, the assessments back then were that it was a little bit directionless in a lot in a lot of ways. Like again, very tuneful songs. They don't write bad songs. Like I mm. can't really think of a bad always song, and they always keep uh, the the runtimes pretty brief, right? Thirty to forty minutes yeah, at most, so, which is welcome, <laughs> which is always welcome. And again, uh, it, it was like one of those cases where well, what am I listening to here? I I I like all of this, but I'm not totally sure. I'm not totally sure what it means in in a complete album's kind of sense, and yeah. it probably made our year endless because it's again, it's a it's a song that has a lot of really good songs, even if mm. they feel a little bit disparate against yeah. each other. I feel.
0: Yeah, it, it, and the new record is is also quite varied but it it, disparate isn't a word you'd use this time it's like they've knitted all those influences together and and also delivered a a more high fidelity more fleshed out version of, of of the bones of those early two records which is why it feels i think like such a leap so um yeah, onto Blue Rev. You probably read my review. I gushed away for nearly a thousand words. So <laughs> I'll let you have a have a take on it now.
1: Um, well, I I like it almost as much as you do. And 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 by that I mean, I mean if you're pretty much giving it the, the top of the heap in, in terms of this year, then it's pretty high up there too. It's probably like one of my three favorite records and and, but uh, at least this one does, again, has a lot of different elements to it, but at the same time, it's more, there's, it, it feels like there's a unison, a uniformity there <laughs> that wasn't necessarily present. And just, and at least the first half, it kind of blends in a little bit more. And then as it kind of, it, it, start, it starts, it starts taking these little detours a little bit later in the track list. Again, if you have 14 songs, that that is inevitable. But at the same time, I do miss that so much. I I feel like one constant that you see with a lot of new records, especially in the last few years, is that artists are not really taking risks in terms of doing songs that sound different from one another. I feel like it's more about a mood and it's more about a vibe And critically, it seems like that's also been like a big thing, right? Like think about like an artist like Phoebe Bridgers, where she can just go by like a mood for like the entire record and it's highly regarded. (laughs) Whereas um, I I feel like I do appreciate when songs don't necessarily sound the same and and you're doing different things with them and artists don't do that too much. And if they do, they kind of end up being a little bit underrated, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that's totally right. Uh, you think, I'm uh, thinking of bands like The War on Drugs uh, as well. Uh, you know, it's very much a, a consistent vibe, isn't it? And a consistent yeah. sound. And that can be nice, but um, that I, th- I find those those are the records that I tend to enjoy in the moment and and then just not go back to as much. Whereas this this is something that I've been playing endlessly and I keep finding new things, but it's that knack of being able to go to these different places but still keep it cohesive and interesting i mean this is 5 years in the making right so if your mood doesn't shift if you're not thinking about different types of music in a 5 year period and you come out with something that sounds entirely the same you know what's, sure. what's that all about you know that's that's slightly bizarre so yeah there's there's right. a there's a lot of terrain we should probably start listening to it Um,
1: I should also add to just very quickly I think I read somewhere that it took five years because their demos got stolen apparently (laughs) so so maybe they had to rework the whole album and this is what came from it but who knows if maybe five years is what it takes to do something like this who knows but I read something like that yeah
0: wow I mean sometimes sometimes having to rework things so you know can can bring about some of those changes as you know lots of stories with classic albums of of such things happening the master tapes disappearing and right but um let's listen let's listen to a couple of the songs and, and then chat about them specifically so i'm gonna this i know this is one of your favorites on the record this is easy on your own one of my favorite favorites as well it's uh, just okay. such a such a satisfying sound isn't it and just lyrically as well so so you know fascinating and 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 thought-provoking i think what is it what is it you like about that one
1: uh a few things i i mean to begin this one kind of uh Like, I feel like Pharmacist kind of sets the way for this one because it's not very different from Pharmacist. Yeah. But I think it's, if you pair them together, I haven't really looked at any, if they're already playing live, it seems like you would naturally kind of play the two together. Because this one is the one that kind of, it's like the, it's it's peaking and it's like the peak when you go with this track. And it feels like you can really pump up a crowd with this one it, it has such oh and again if you have headphones listen to this one uh the intro is is such a lovely intro it's just like the little minor details and that, that you can really hear but you can't really listen to it if you're driving or something yeah. you have neat headphones for it but i i think what i like more about it is the song structure um i don't know if 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 you notice but. Uh, Another thing that Bansom do a little, uh, very well. These days it's well, not well, but they don't do that often is like it it changes a lot throughout the song, even if it maintains a consistency. And I mm. love the bridge, how the bridge like completely changes before going back to the chorus. Yeah. Uh and again, I'm a I'm a sucker for that for like a verse chorus, verse chorus bridge, but bridges yeah. are really hard to write in a way that's yes. really creative. And I think this one nails it yeah
0: there's some there's quite a couple of the tracks have got really unexpected bridges as well there's that little break in um in after the earthquake as well that is just the first time i heard it i was like oh no why did they stop <laughs> yeah you know, the momentum's gone but actually when you come back to it it's just it's just so so much more satisfying when they launch back into it uh, uh, yeah. as well and it's it's such a bold decision to take in in in, in a song I think um yeah there are some great left turns on here um why don't we listen actually to after the earthquake which is probably the first taste of, of a real taste of power pop on the album Just to play the whole thing, really. But I, I know you love power pop. I love power pop. I love yeah. that this band is is loving power pop. I mean, this is this is pretty much jangly perfection, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think I think this was the first one that I instantly liked because I I remember texting you that the morning after I, the album came out, very excited about this track. But at the same time, I was in a rabbit hole of thinking what it reminded me of in in a way because obviously it's very distinctive as it is but at the same time it it reminded me of so many things it's like does this remind me of a shoes track that I've heard before it also reminds me of the nerds so it kind of reminds Mm -hmm. me of this classic 70s. It, it feels like you would go back to, oh, maybe it sounds like 80s P- Peter Buck or something. But actually, no, It it, it I, I had to go way back because it m- reminded me more of the, the classic late 70s Power Pop. And yeah. and again, the the guitars, it has like those flangey kind of guitar tones that are kind of big star-ish, right? So yeah. uh, that was like the first touchstones of Power Pop right there. Definitely. So I, I, I think the whole com- combination was really hard. to to resist really yeah
0: i mean i'm a sucker for anything um big star related i i I, in the review i mentioned the dbs as well with the with the little guitar riff um yeah it's like we 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 talked about how those early two records had a lot of anglophile 80s 90s kind of indie influences we talked about teenage fan club um this feels like they've they've gone way back to the source of power pop rather than the the kind of the second wave of bands who were influenced by power pop and um it's it's just such a such a satisfying song it really Mm -hmm. is um and i think these first three songs just set the scene so well for this record even if they completely fizzled out and dropped the ball after this it would still be a great record just because of that of that opening but fortunately um it carries on in in pretty much a similar vein really um next song i'm going to play is slightly slightly different jangly guitars but just slightly different influences and i thought we might listen to pressed (laughs) Yeah, so it, I was talking about the Smiths' influence, which certainly mm-hmm. hangs heavy over this. But, um, I, you know, I think it's it's more than that at the same time. What did, what was your take on Pressed?
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And, I mean, I, I can't disagree with you there. Um, a lot of people have mentioned This Charming Man. If anything, it reminds me more of Still Ill from that same album. But, again, they're all from the first record, right? Yeah. So I think they're kind of pulling from that Smiths' Debut, which is the one that I listen to the most, and I think similarly, my thoughts about the track are similar to the Smiths' first album in the sense that I don't think anyone would say that it's their favorite on the record, but it's the one that you probably listen to the most because it it has a very infectious kind of sound to it. But again, yeah. nobody would say that that first Smiths album is the is the best one because the song in itself is a little bit a little bit more less perfect and ramshackle uh really smart lyricism though I mean that's this is like a prevailing theme throughout the record the lyrics are deceptively really good too so um and the vocal the the, the vocal
0: styling is 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 quite it's quite interesting isn't it because it it really is quite similar um Style to to Morrissey isn't it? without sounding like pastiche, i I find it quite interesting that she's she's capable of sort of aping Morrissey in such a such a way without without it being too much i I'm not sure a lot of people could get away with that, um especially over yeah. some Johnny Marr style guitars as well it's 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 bold, and it kind of you know i've ha- always had this conflict now listening to the Smiths you know, because of Morris's <laughs> views. We've touched upon this in the podcast before. Yeah. Um, But this is kind of like guilt Three Smiths, you know, I like it.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure who re- who's responsible for that in the band. I know that Molly writes a lot of the songs, but I know that Alex O'Hanley, who's the guitarist, kind of writes a lot of the tunes there too. So I, I'm not sure if there's a duality there in terms of what yeah. they're trying to pull or if it's like his him carrying that influence in terms of how he plays guitar which is very much influenced yeah. by, by by it uh even in the past like again Jang was something you hear from always even yeah. from the very beginning so
0: i think it's a i think it's a two-way thing i don't think you could get you i don't think you could nail it without yeah. both, both sort of both aspects well indeed all of the band being uh, into it yeah um, but yeah that is it's a great it's a great song and it just changes changes gears slightly and um pushes in the sort of second half of the record which is the slightly more experimental half I would <laughs> say. The the yeah. next the next song I was gonna play um is my favorite song title on the album, which is Pomeranian Spin It's such a fun song though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, I think um, lyrically as well, really, really interesting. There's the, the line Pomeranian spinster glass slipper never fit. It took a while, but I'm trying to get over it. It's that kind of trying to deal with the acceptance after the after the breakup, after the initial pain yeah. has kind of subsided, which it kinda of is is a theme that runs through the record. Um, but it's just so clever and fun at the same time which is kind of it is the always thing really
1: it's clever it's also pretentious but i kind of like that about them too that they can like uh, they sound like the more bookish band out of (laughs) a lot of other bands from their kind of generation but yeah you can you, you can't go wrong with how i don't know it, it it almost sounds like comedy and yeah. and the way that they're doing it like they like the circling guitars kind of are very ingeniously funny in a way to yeah. me and uh and um i think the other thing that i i thought about it was uh i think they're channeling more kind of like a punkier ramones vibe on this one yeah. right i mean that's kind of what they're trying to i mean they're obviously not not to point to the ramones it's just i don't know it 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 it's the more zippy track, like it's it's the shortest one probably in here too, right? So So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a quick. Actually, no, it's not. It's one of the longest ones, but I'm probably forgetting that it has a bridge too. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean,
0: it's yeah. still still sub three minutes. It's um, yeah. It, it nothing here really overstays its welcome at all, which is which is r- really refreshing. I think a lot of records are kind of skewing longer these days. Um, but that's that's how it feels anyway. But yeah, I think it. I know what you mean. There's, it would be pretentious perhaps at times if it just didn't seem so fun and kind of yeah. knowing and kind of playing into that. So, um, I think they get away with it. Yeah, but, no, but I gave it a ten, <laughs> right? So you you know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. The last song I've got for is that I'm going to play um, is the last song I talked about in the review, which is Belinda says. this is it's a return to the similar themes of the the first three tracks but i think what was noteworthy for me was the vocal performance um i think this is probably the strongest vocal on the record and i think that key change as well at the end is just such a it's you know it's such a bold move i think and just just really refreshing you don't really hear that from dream pop sugar's kind of bands like rocking a key change and just going for it like that I, I i thought it was really fun
1: yeah i i think um i mean if objectivity were a thing i think this is probably the best track on the on the record it's it's uh it it's the centerpiece right it's yeah. the moment where they're kind of when you realize that this band is working on a whole nother level. I I mean, if they were kind of hinting at it or proving it in the first half of the record, like this is the moment where you're like, we did seven of these already, but here's another one. But this is the one that kind of cements us as masterful songwriters. Um, Yeah, and we both like the Belinda Carlisle kind of... uh, Nod, which again is is also a nod to, to the Go-Go's, and again, another band that has always been dismissed through the years, and I think it wasn't until last year that they got inducted into the Hall of Fame, which was really late for them, which yeah. is really criminal, but uh, yeah, it's it does have that kind of nostalgic quality to it, Yeah, which I, uh, is always a weakness. It,
0: you're absolutely right, it's, it is, it's It's like we've bound out five really good songs in this vein, and you know we're so in the zone we're, we're so sort of working you know on the on the same plane. and everyone's tuned into one another we're just gonna one-up it and 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 belt out something that's even better it's it's sounding effortless at this point isn't it it's just yeah and then we're gonna kind of bury it in at the back end of the album you know just as a reward for people who have um, stuck it out you know because you'd be yeah. for, you'd be forgiven for thinking the first three songs are going to be the best three songs when you hear them, um, and the fact that they can just casually surpass it <laughs> on side it is is, it's is bold.
1: It's, it's it's the last hurrah before like the last three tracks that are are a shift in are, are a shift in tone. So
0: yeah, so yeah, I mean, definitely going to be in the conversation, isn't it? When we come to vote for our albums of the year in a in a couple of months. Is this the peak or where do you think will always go from here?
1: Um well if you give a ten to a record then it can and can feel like a peak, right? And I and I think with I don't think necessarily the next few records would be a peak or not. I think either they are getting into that Imperial phase where I feel like we saw it with maybe an artist like St. Vincent, right? Like she already yeah. went through her peak and now she's like going through a, uh, a phase where she, where the music isn't as great, but she's, mm. she's still fairly consistent. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I think always on the next one could, you know, who knows. Right. But probably on the next one, they'll probably try to keep it up that tier. And then mm. I can kind of see them maintaining, a. uh, a more consistent rate where the music has maybe slightly diminishing returns. But then again, you know, you think about bands like Deer Hunter, right? Like they've been consistent throughout yeah. their whole career. So that could be their thing. That's just, yeah. you know, just writing really good albums from beginning to end. They've
0: got all the credentials, haven't they? I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the musicianship, the taste, um, the the lyricism, the the maturity, you know, I think it's, it's it's in their court, isn't it? So I'll certainly enjoy seeing what they come up with. So shifting the conversation on a little bit, this is Quarantine the Past. We make new music tips. We tend to kind of focus on newer bands, not bands that are really finding their stride with album number three. So if someone goes away, listens to Blue Rev, falls in love with it and thinks, man, I really want to hear some more bands that are making power pop inspired music, you tell me, Juan, because you've got your finger on the pulse more than I have. Where do they go for their Power Pop fix in
1: 2022? Uh, uh, so there's a few. There's a few uh, places where they can go to, and I can go on and on about all the new stuff that's going on. I I think it'd be a disservice to not mention at the very least, even if he had a new album this year, but Mo Tropper uh, from Portland, he was kind of like one of the first ones in this newer generation of artists to really take more of a power pop vein even if he's getting a little bit more experimental on the new record i feel like for a lot of younger artists like he, since he was already doing power pop in the mid in the mid 2010s which nobody was really doing uh uh he's really brought the conversation for probably a lot of younger bands uh so i, I have to give him props and he had a new album called MTV which is yeah. really stellar but again it's more experimental yeah. um but there's other signs. I mean, I can think of White Reaper, who are like the major label equivalent. Like they have major label backing. They do really good power pop. They're a band from Kentucky, and they've had some songs weirdly on on charting radio. Wow. But they're really good songs. Like think of, like like think of some bands that got get lucky with that, right? Like I felt like Phantom Planet got lucky with that in the early 2000s writing a lot of their power pop i think white reaper also did but again it it always helps to have some major yeah. label backing right power
0: pops <laughs> funny like that it just it yeah. breaks through in the oddest places doesn't it like think about the knack having like the big the big power pop hit, and it, it doesn't always go to the the critical darlings does it? it, it it's a bit yeah. random really Um, and
1: probably maybe some music executive really really likes it who's older right i mean it's it it, it's a age-old story but i'll give some really really quick recommendations before moving on uh second grade they have one my favorite power pop record of the year came out um if you like a more 90s version of actually no i think uh it's it encompasses a lot of power pop through the years uh and you know you can listen to everything from like 90s records by fountains of wayne to like artists like marshall crenshaw in the 80s and in their new record but they're a really good one there's another one called uh daisy they're from virginia and they have a new album coming out the uh, in late october they really keep it simple um i think uh there's another one called uni boys from la where I think my more—they're like the more prestige definition. I I think uh, like many of these bands, they reference Big Star because mm-hmm. their dads liked Big Star, <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, which is something that you see a lot, right? Like right now, Power Pop is in that phase where if a lot of younger artists are probably in their early twenties, uh it's probably because their parents were listening to it, <laughs> yeah. and they're probably forty or fifty years old, right? So although they yeah, weren't listening,
0: are- chances are they weren't listening to Big Star at the time. They found them. No, no, they found them later. as a kind of yeah, much the same time yeah. as as uh, the DBs or, or or something like that picking up on Big Star. Yeah. um I've only got one. Um, because I don't know as much about what's going on as you do, which was the idea for the podcast in the first place. But um, the the band I saw supporting Courting on, on their recent tour, uh, a band called Blondes, who had a kind of yeah, there there were elements of power pop there. There there were also some um some sort of eighties Sarah Records kind of vibe to it as well. But there were harmonies, oh. there was jangle, um, and they haven't got an album out yet, so. I'll be keeping a keen eye on them to see what they come out with, but they they sounded really good live. That is, and
1: my... I mean, yeah, there has to be more British uh, bands that are kind of doing it, but that I'm aware of, I'm not sure. So, if anyone has any recommendations, you know, always, uh, yeah, please do, always. definitely.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're, bring, we're, it, bring them our way. We're insatiable when it comes to to new power pop. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. so it, and thinking about the sugar side of things, um, not a genre I've heard too much really essential new music from i think there's kind of subgenres that are bringing in a bit of sugar so like that we had the cloakroom record earlier in the year yeah. which was really satisfying but that's like a million miles away from always right so are there any bands that are touching on sugars but melding it together with indie pop or indie rock a bit more
1: a little bit i mean yeah there's stuff like i i I may I might be wrong. There's a band called Horse Jumper of Love that kind of does the dream uh, the dream pop indie rock aesthetic a little bit, and mm-hmm. uh, the records tend to uh, touch on that. Um, Peel Dream Magazine also does the same, but in a more introspective way because I think it's just one songwriter okay. who's writing them. Um, I I started listening to the new Knife Play, which again is another band new band from the U.S. who's also they're like the more doing something more like in the ethereal yeah. you know like the songwriting is very structured but like cloakroom they're trying to go for something a little bit more a uh, wider scale which yeah. is something that it's normally sort of slow and either heavy or. And, yeah, yeah. I, I had
0: a little listen to that record on your recommendation and that was definitely I think if you like cloakroom and you like that sort of slightly heavier end you'll find that satisfying. So we'll try and collate these uh, recommendations in a playlist and we'll pop that in the show notes as well for you as a little bonus. So I think that's pretty much all we had to say about Always. It's definitely not all we have to say about Power Pop. I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. we'll break away from the others and um, talk a little bit more about that um, at some point in the future. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we hope you've enjoyed listening to this uh, special edition and if you haven't already, um, bizarre be bizarre if you've got this far without knowing about the record. But if you haven't listened to Blue Rev in full, go and check it out, go and buy it, go and see the band, support them. And um, yeah, let's hope for great things from all those in the future as well.
1: Sure. Thanks,
0: thanks for your uh, participation, Juan. Always good to talk to you about music and we'll catch yeah. up for another episode soon.
1: Nice to talk as always, for sure.